Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike Across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow with you. You can join us on YouTube through the Outkick channel there. Just search out Outkick on YouTube. We hope you subscribe, like, and chat away. Join Chad in the chat right there. You can check all the shows across the Outkick Network available on our YouTube page and at Outkick.com. Mike Florio has a column up recently, uh, Chad, on the value of the NFL quarterback for the NFL schedule makers. And if you're, he concludes the column. He goes through every free agent sweep, every big trade that was made both recently and it goes as far back as Peyton Manning through the free agent visits that he took. And he's comparing it to what Aaron Rodgers did this offseason and how it dictated really what the networks wanted in all these games. And he concludes by saying, if you're ever wondering what the NFL quarterbacks are making, the answer is not nearly enough. My question is, where was this column whenever Lamar Jackson was asking for the same as Deshaun Watson? That was my argument. Like uh, he points out, Florio's right, right, right to point out. A couple of years ago, it was public knowledge that Roger Goodell's making forty million dollars a year. He's making up, upwards of sixty plus now per year, and he's still making more than the NFL quarterbacks that everyone is clamoring to get on their network in prime time a maximum of six times throughout the schedule, and they're trying to make everything work. There's no other position in that sport or really in sports that dictates that amount of negotiating that goes on for a television contract, but yet it was, oh, Lamar Jackson's dumb. He's not going to get that. He's not going to be able to get the type of money that we saw from Watson because, well, that was just a dumb contract by Cleveland. The NFL owners... Well, they're, they're not colluding to not give out another fully guaranteed contract like this. They're just not going to pay this type of money. It's, not just, it's unheard of. And I'm thinking, well, if you want to do it, the quarterbacks band together that are dictating this NFL schedule, and all of a sudden, they'll be making more money, and it trickles down. And the CBA for the NFL is where it's really out of whack. Uh, for as much attention as the league gets, it's the weakest of the unions. If you really look back and think about the negotiations between Major League Baseball and the NBA, where Doc Rivers is getting fired, but James Harden is wanted on a roster after that abysmal seven-game uh, series and the, the Game 7 performance. Point being, uh, it's easy to look at the NFL schedule and be like, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is dictating this and that. But it's not just Rodgers. Burrow. Herbert, Mahomes, you've got Allen and Hertz, and, and beyond that, the other big names that are really driving all of the engine that is the National Football League. And my big take was it was laughed at that Lamar Jackson was trying to get Deshaun Watson money and that he needed an agent. And currently, the dude without the agent is just the next highest paid player in the NFL. 
second only to Deshaun Watson. It was laughed at. I can't speak for everyone in the media, but I, I, I would never argue that Deshaun or that anyone shouldn't argue that they should get Deshaun Watson money if they're better at the quarterback position than Deshaun Watson. I said it wouldn't happen because I understand that billionaires run the world and not millionaires. You can take one look at the latest episode of Succession and understand that. And the billionaires are going to get together and decide that we're not doing it. There was one dumb billionaire who stepped out of line with what we want and offered a fully guaranteed contract, and we, the billionaire owners of the National Football League, do not ever want to go down the road of fully guaranteed contracts. It's not that... I mean, what your point is well said, Hutton. It's not that Lamar Jackson's not worth it. No, what would happen, though, if the quarterbacks demanded it? If Deshaun Watson, you know, if he's worth it, then Lamar Jackson is. You're saying that if they all got together and said, we're going to strike unless you give us all guaranteed contracts? We're the faces of what you're doing. You're getting paid $110 million for one wild card game. Yeah, I would say prove it. I mean, walk. I, I don't know what would happen. It's a great... Great point. They would turn into the USFL. Yeah, that, that, that's my point. I'd like to see them actually make the owners crumble and, and do that. But, I mean, do you ever think that with that players' union and with are the quarterbacks going to form their own union and decide no, we're all going to walk at the same time? No, but without the quarterbacks, the union's nothing. And the quarterbacks are always going to be the highest-paid player, and it needs to be the faces of the league that, that look beyond just, oh, here's the contract negotiation. And I thought that's what Lamar Jackson was trying to do. That was his overall point. Well, he's not. You, you bring up an idea that could get something done because if these all happen like a little domino one after the other mm-hmm. and they all stand up on the table and say, I want this guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got, it's going to end about the same way as Lamar Jackson. Didn't end poorly for Lamar Jackson. No, no. He's the highest paid player in the history of the league. And I'm not saying to feel sorry for him, but, but at the same time, also, like the, the it, idea that, that, that Florio's ending the column with, if you're wondering whether they're getting paid, not nearly enough, that's what Lamar Jackson was standing up saying. Yeah. That's what he was tweeting about. And that's why he was saying, I wasn't going, I'm not going to take something back in August that doesn't represent what other quarterbacks should be wanting based on what I've seen. And it had nothing to do with whether or not he had an agent, which was also something that he took ridicule for. Yeah, I, well, I ridiculed him because he was speaking when he probably shouldn't have been speaking. But all's well that ends well. So good for him. But he also didn't get ultimately what he wanted, which is a fully guaranteed contract. Your idea may be a good one. How about the top eight guys in the league band together well, and walk like the Hollywood writers just did and shut down the league? and say that we're going to go on strike until you give us all guaranteed contracts. I mean, I don't know that it would work, but it'd be fun to watch well, to and, see how they would react. And the real issue is they're never going to be – the players now have it set up on the CBA where the vets are the ones that are getting paid. It's contract two, not contract one. And it used to be contract one. And they've done away with the, the big-time money for the rookies. You make good money. But it's not what it used to be prior to the 2011 CBA negotiation. And the rookies are the one group that are not going to be looked at as the ones that should deserve some benefit. And no one listens to the agents. The agents always wanted to be able to negotiate contracts. And now for the most part, especially with the first rounders and especially with the first round quarterbacks, the agents aren't even taking 3% of the negotiated deal in the CBA because it's already slotted for you. There's nothing to negotiate. They're on board because they want contract too. And whenever these quarterbacks are getting their contract extensions for contract too, I just wish there was a harder stance and I wish there was a column 
from Florio ahead of all this instead of after all this, where all the media partners, I mean, they, we just went through all 10 different outlets or platforms that they'll be on through all the different media outlets that they're, they're teammates with, quote-unquote, the league. None of those are going to push for the owners to have to spend more money on the, 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 the players. That, that's, that's the other thing. They're going to push the narrative of the NFL owners' meetings, which is, ha, huh, look at, look at the, uh, the, the dumb Browns doing what they're doing. We'll check more uh, on this with John McClain coming up in it's, a few. It's the billionaires pulling the strings, and unfortunately that oftentimes leads to things that aren't fair, and I think this is another illustration of what's probably not fair. Well, and it's also it, – well, it's fair in this sense. It's, it's collectively bargained. I mean, if the players had some backbone during negotiations, they would get more in this sense. But the, the quarterbacks have to lead the charge. It's no other position – that gets something like this done. The players lead the charge in the NBA. Doc Rivers fired. Um, and, I mean, Chad, I'm looking around going, and I, I agree with Doc Rivers on the series against the Celtics. No one thought the 76ers were winning that series. Especially and, when they were missing their league MVP and they won at that one game. point in the series. Yeah. And they won that game where, where you, you had Harden go off for 50 points in that game. And, and what, 45, 50 points, had a great performance in game one and was balling out. And then, quite honestly, looked like he was throwing the damn game in game seven. Ball slipping out of his hands and throwing it to the other team or throwing it out of bounds. Like, it just looked so awkward and just below average. Not even the average player would be on the court doing that. And James Harden was doing that in this game. Embiid going up to the podium and saying, hey, we can't do it alone. James and I can't do it alone. I'm thinking, you guys didn't do it together in game seven. You didn't show up. And post-game, they're asking Harden, hey, how's the relationship with you and Doc? Because whenever Harden originally went there, he said it was in large part because he wanted to play with Doc Rivers. And he said, oh, our relationship's okay. And you knew the writing was on the wall at that point. The There are reports out that the 76ers feared that Harden was not going to take the option on his contract for one more year, and that if the 76ers were going to keep him, they were going to have to offer a long-term extension and more money instead of the $35 million option that they feared Harden would turn down if Doc Rivers returned as the head coach. And we just went through all the a very small list of coaches that have any clout, and Rivers, you know, for a long time, has been one of those guys that I think the, the average basketball fan recognizes. And even he, he can't keep a job based on making it one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals with a team that went toe-to-toe with the, I mean, by far the favorite right now to win the NBA Finals in the Boston Celtics. The easiest scapegoat in the world is the NBA head coach, Mike Budenholzer. Milwaukee's the number one seed. They lose their best player, and they get out in the first round, fired after having won a title. Um Lonnie Williams in Phoenix, fired. Yep. Couldn't make it work past the second round with, after bringing in Kevin, Kevin Durant. Doc Rivers, fired. Again. Now, here's the problem with Doc Rivers. Uh, 20 years, since 2003, this is when this started. 12 of those 20 seasons have ended with him blowing a playoff series lead. 
Led the Pistons three games to one in 2003. That's where it started. Led the Pacers 1-0. Led the Magic 3-2. Led Lakers 3-2. Led Heat 3-2. Led Thunder 1-0. Led Rockets 3-1. More of, some of these are more egregious than the others of blown series lead. But this is yet another example where he had a lead in a series and could not win the series. And because of that, he's out of a job. But really the reason that he's out of a job is because these NBA organizations, the easiest thing to do if things don't go exactly the way you want is to roll your head coach under the bus and say it's his fault and now we're going to do better with a new coach. And that's what happened to Doc Rivers. I think he's a really good coach. I think if he wants to coach again, he's going to somewhere else. But this is the easiest scapegoat in maybe all of sports is NBA head coach when things go south. Head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, uh, Becky Hammond, suspended for the first two games of the WNBA season for mistreating uh, one of her pregnant players, uh, De'Erica Hamby. And she's been traded based on what she says and the allegations that she put out on social media because she was pregnant. And that Becky Hammond asked her, was like, was this a planned pregnancy? And when she said no, that she was uh, ridiculed by Hammond for not taking the proper precautions to not get pregnant. And since then, um, she went on to say that um, she wouldn't be ready and that they need bodies. She planned to play this season. I've expressed my desire to play this season. I've pushed myself throughout my entire pregnancy. I've continued to work out, basketball included, on my own and with the team staff, even on days where it was uncomfortable to walk, only to be inaccurately told that I was not taking my workouts seriously. That from... Erica Hamby. Um, so in response, also in offering impermissible benefits was a part of this through the WNBA investigation that took a, a while, like two months to look into this. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, it whenever Hammond returns, when the Aces won the championship, whenever um, Hammond returns for her first game, it will be against Hamby's new team after the two-game suspension. So in 2003... Becky Hammond, I have a personal story here, played for the Tennessee Fury of the now-defunct National Women's Basketball League. 21-year-old Chad Withrow, that's right, this Chad Withrow, was an intern for the head coach, Rodney Mengia, of that Tennessee Fury women's basketball team. My job as intern was to get four of my buddies to practices at Maryville College in East Tennessee on Sunday afternoons to scrimmage the Tennessee Fury. Becky Hammond was the starting point guard of that Tennessee Fury team and led the NWBL in scoring that year with 20.6 points per game. Having seen her intensity up close, um, this story does not shock me. This was a woman who was on a fast track to possibly the first woman to be an NBA head coach at one point. So there is a level of ferocity and intensity to her game and her level of uh, competitiveness that I saw as a player. And she was a great player back in the day also. So and she was crazy asked to story. interview for the Raptors job. And she said that she was going to stick with the women's game, coaching the Aces. She'll be back May 27th against Hanby's, uh, Hanby's team. She got after it. In 2003 with that team, when I was playing against her, she got after it. Coming up, we will chat all NFL headlines with John McClain. And it includes what was really at stake by getting Daniel Snyder out for the Washington Commanders. It's a stadium. And what the public funding will look like now, according to reports, versus what it was. That's next on Hotline.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kurt Schilling will join us in an hour. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up, something we learned late in life that we wish we would have learned earlier. This can be historical. We'll tie it into a sports discussion where one athlete doesn't know about a very important historical moment that was turned into a movie. Speaking of movies. It's a great example. I bet John knew knew this was yeah. an actual the event actor, that happened. The actor John McClane and with his extensive work in Hollywood. The uh, near five decades covering the NFL. You follow him now at gallerysports.com at McLean underscore on underscore NFL is where you can find him on social. John, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Doing doing very well. The NFL schedule is out, and somehow, John, they're able to make everybody happy to some extent. And the schedule makers, they do it every year. It's right up to the deadline. I don't know how many they went through this year, but I, I mean, I know how many different platforms the NFL will be found on this year. It's now up to 10 because Peacock is going to stream a playoff game now. Uh, NBC's negotiated that for $110 million. What do you make, not of, not of the days, how many days the NFL owns throughout the week over the course of a season, but the number of different outlets and streaming services that fans will have to find. It just shows NFL's widespread popularity. Everybody wants a piece of the NFL pie because it helps them promote their brand. It helps them promote their service, and it helps them promote all their other shows. I'll never forget when Fox bought in in 94. Everybody's, why in the world would the NFL go with Rupert Murdoch why would Rupert Murdoch want the NFL? Well, at the time, he talked about getting the NFL and running promos of all the other shows on Fox. You would reach the mass audience. And that's why everybody likes the NFL, because the product they're selling every other hour of the day, uh, the best way to let people know about it is the National Football League. John McClain with us. John, uh, DeAndre, uh, excuse me, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, is he going to stay in Arizona now, or do you think this is a trade bait type situation for camp or the trade deadline for the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I don't have any idea. He's making a lot of money. You know, he didn't miss but one game here when he played here from 2013 to through 2019. And when Bill O'Brien traded him the, the – organization started going down the toilet and he's been hurt and suspended the last two years. He's on the wrong side of 30 and uh, he's playing with the worst team in the league. Everybody thinks Arizona has the worst talent. Kyler Murray's not going to be ready for the start of the season. So if I'm Hopkins, I'm doing everything I can to get out of there because I can't imagine, you know, loyalty only goes so far. So I'll bet you he's not on the Cardinals by the start of regular season. Yeah, and right now, his uh, Colt McCoy 
scheduled starter in Arizona to, to begin the season. Um, Devontae Adams also publicly coming out and saying, hey, I'm not defined. A quarterback doesn't define me. I make me. What do you make of that? He, he's discussing Aaron Rodgers and what happened last year. Now he's with Jimmy G and not Carr. Is Adams going to live up to the type of player and the production that we saw in Green Bay? Well, first of all, nobody would have a clue who he was if it wasn't for a quarterback throwing him the football. So that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, receivers are defined by the quarterbacks. You can be unless like it, DeAndre Unless it's Huff. Jefferson. Unless it's Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and even Justin Jefferson, if he didn't have anybody throwing the ball, he can't throw it to himself. You know, that's pretty stupid on his part. And I, I'm not I'm sure he thinks I'm a great player. It doesn't matter who I play with at quarterback. I'm guessing that's what he's talking about. And he is a great player. But to put it like that, if it wasn't for the quarterback, he wouldn't be catching any passes. Neither would Justin Jefferson either. So, yeah, Devontae Adams should transcend whatever quarterback he plays with, as DeAndre Hopkins did, as Andre Johnson did in Houston. Uh, starting for multiples, at least Hopkins got to play with Deshaun Watson. But uh, Devontae Adams is great, and as long as Jimmy G stays healthy, he'll catch a lot of passes. John, did you have a favorite team-specific NFL schedule release video that you saw last week? Yeah, the Cowboys, and I love what the Titans did. I always like what the Chargers do. But the one that uh, the Cowboys did with Taylor Sheridan who has all his shows beginning with Yellowstone, I thought was very ingenious as well. And I'm thinking like the Titans, did they go out of their way to find people? Do you know anything about the National Football League? Well, of course. Well, you won't do. Do you know anything about the National Football League? What? Uh, it seems like they went out of the way to find people that were clueless, but it was hilarious. And uh, Having been on Broadway, thought, John, I don't think they had to go that far to find those people. <laughs> They, they could have cut that promo in 10 minutes, just walking up to random people on the street and just showed them a logo and probably gotten all of those responses as funny as they were. But I thought the uh, Cowboys had the best one, and it pains me to say that. So Matt Ryan is uh, going to the broadcast booth if he doesn't get picked up by a team to play quarterback. He signs with CBS but also says it's not a retirement announcement what do you think, John, about the possibility of Matt Ryan, the NFL broadcaster, and the possibility that Matt Ryan is picked up by a team this season? Well, he'll, he'll, he can sign with another team. They're going to approach him. I mean, they approached RG3 told everybody last year when he went to ESPN, I'm still available. He worked out. I mean, the, the commanders called Andrew Luck. And so because of injuries, and the shortage of quarterbacks, Matt Ryan will definitely get some calls. It just depends on, I'm sure, what the team is, how much they're willing to pay, and how much fun he's having in the broadcast booth. Uh, Matt Ryan is a really, really good interview when he wants to be. I think he'll be terrific on TV. John, the Washington Post is reporting that if not for just the, the straight desire to get rid of Dan Snyder, that the Josh Harris bid to purchase the commanders for $6.05 billion would not be approved because Mark Maskey is saying that there are members of the, of the finance committee that were raising issues about the funding of that $6 billion. Um, making the exception here, 
What does that mean for down the road? Anything? I wrote a column about three weeks ago, uh, quoting sources that they wanted to get rid of him so bad. He bet, they bet that you can't borrow more than a billion. And I'm, I was told they'll probably let that one go. You also have to have 30% liquid. And what I'm not sure what 30% of 6.05 billion is, but it's a lot. And they also put a cap on the limited partners. They're not doing that. So the finance committee, before it could be approved, would want them to tweak it. And the issues, they would uh, make sure that they had corrected them. And uh, but I don't I was told they, they've done things like that before. It just wasn't as big a deal because there was not as much scrutiny other on under other sales as there have been for Snyder. But uh, I was told they want him out so bad they do just about anything. And so would the city and the surrounding area for that new stadium build, <laughs> because the Titans have set the record for public funding. Uh, with 1.2 billion going towards the new stadium that will be, uh, uh, they hope, open in 2027, and there are reports that the city and the surrounding area, John, of of, of all the negotiation about a new stadium for the Commanders, they weren't going to give a dime to Snyder, and they're willing to vote through 1.5 billion for new ownership. That is a huge boost for Josh Harris and why you would want to offer Snyder exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And that that's all worked out ahead of time. You know, you're not going to commit that kind of money and then tell you, Nope, you're going to have to stay at FedEx field, which Snyder has let go straight down the toilet. It, when it was built and it seated 80,000, it was a Taj Mahal and he hadn't done squat to it. And, um, uh, it's interesting, whatever price, how much are they saying the stadium's going to cost? In Nashville, two point two, I believe, two point two well, billion. That means it'll end up being probably three or four billion, because it's <laughs> way, yeah. way more by the time it's done. And I, um, and I think that's great if the uh, Josh Harris's group gets that, and because they need a new stadium and they want to bring them back into the district over there by RFK yeah. and uh, Snyder, as long as he wanted it, he was not going to get it. What is Tom Brady's value to the Las Vegas Raiders as a very small percentage owner with Mark Davis? I can't imagine anything. He's not going to be making appearances. I can't imagine that. Uh, people will talk about him being a minor partner. You know, being a minor partner today costs a lot of money, and he's got a lot of money. He's got that great contract that's going to kick in at Fox. Uh, so I'm sure he's bored. But if you can buy into an NFL team for any amount, you know the price is just going to keep going up, up, and up. And uh, so it'll be cool for Mark Davis to say, well, Tom Brady's one of my partners. And I'll guarantee you, when Brady goes to a Raiders game, he's not going to be sitting with other minor partners in their suite. He's going to be sitting in Mark Davis's suite. John McClain with us, gallerysports.com, the website where you can find his work and uh, the great work there of their of their staff, including Mattress Mac with the podcast with John. John, compare for me here. How do you think the NFL would handle the John ja Morant situation in the NBA compared to how the NBA has handled it to this point? Well, the NBA has babied him. And he he obviously is he's I don't think he's stupid. 
in the terms of we would say he's stupid. He just doesn't care. He doesn't learn. You know, he's got people around him that are yes men. He had one of his guys getting in a fight on the floor with Pacers people and in the tunnel. His people were getting in fights with the Pacers people. And, and it's hard to tell a player, and it's hard for a player to do, to say the guys you grew up with who had your back, you need to get rid of them because most people want because those guys had the back. But what I would do is I'd get them all in there for counseling and say, if you want your gravy train to be putting out the gravy for a lot of years, you got to make sure he's not flashing guns. So I, I, I feel bad for Memphis because he's such a great player. I feel bad for the fans who love watching him play and the media that gets to cover him. But, man, you better get you better get through to him now because if you wrist slap him, he's just going to get worse and worse. John, it's a big week for Pat McAfee. On Thursday, Brett Favre drops the defamation lawsuit against him, and today he announces that he is joining ESPN for $120 million and bringing his show to ESPN. What do you make of that move for Pat McAfee and for ESPN? Pat like that had been out there for a while that uh, he was considering that. I remember when he was just a special teams player. And uh, I remember everybody talked about, man, this, this McAfee's a great interview. And he's done a tremendous job of turning in, uh, turning during his career, to doing what he's doing now on a smaller basis. I remember he used to go to local clubs or local sports bars and had his own little show, and everybody just loved his personality. And now, of course, he's wealthy. Next thing you know, maybe he'll be buying into a team. And uh, maybe you should call Jim Irsay. But I think the guy's done great for sports. He's certainly been great for Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers has been great for him. Well, and the coaches are going, some of the coaches, GMs are going on his shows and they're not edited. You know, they're, they're dropping F-bombs. They're showing some personality. It's a different view. John, it's a lot, I'm, I'm assuming it's a lot like comments that were made prior to the social media age and the, the, the stories of different players and coaches back in the day where, you know, not everything was recorded, and now they're going on McAfee not even caring about that. Uh, you know, if you look at what some of the, the, the Colts, uh, Chris Ballard's a great example. They, they draft Anthony Richardson, and he's telling the story about it, and he's not censoring himself one bit. Meanwhile, in the press conference, he definitely is. Um, first of all, they know McAfee's not going to be tough on him. You go in as a guest, you know, he's going to praise the heck out of you. That's the way all those shows are. If you don't, they usually trash you. And so he's got such a massive audience now. And McAfee appeals to young people. That's what they that's what they want. I'll never forget when he was on college game day, back when he first got on ESPN. They were in Waco back when Baylor was good. And he dove in a suit off the top of a, a, a bar, a riverboat, into the Brazos River. And and that is in so many promos for ESPN ever since, the Pat Pack McAfee did that. And his willingness to put himself out there and have the kind of personality he has, you know, I don't pay any attention to the guys, A.J. Hawk and those others. The only guy I want to talk to, to here is McAfee, and he's kind of grown on me, and I got massive respect for him based on where he was in the NFL and what he's turned it into. John, opening game, Kansas City's going to be hosting Detroit. Did you make any of the anything of the fact that the NFL's putting – Detroit 
in that spot on September the 7th? Well, it's the only time they'd be guaranteed uh, that there's going to be a big audience because Detroit finished 8-2. Their defense got a whole lot better. They were very high scoring. Jared Goff played great. Now, what they got to worry about, they let two running backs go who combined for 25 yards rushing. And they're putting a lot of stock in Jared Goff playing as he did last year, not becoming the Jared Goff that he was at the first year or near the end of his career with Detroit. And they've only won one playoff game since the 50s when they won two championships. One stinking playoff game. But they got a lot of notoriety on hard knocks. People like Dan Campbell. They're wide open. They're exciting. I think it'll be fun. And it's going to be high scoring. Take the over. Because even though their defense got better over the last 10 games, they still weren't among the best in the league. John McClain, as a noted Houston Astros fan, what was your initial reaction when you saw Aaron Judge peeking over not once but twice to the Yankees dugout last night before hitting a home run when that started circulating on on social media? I know my reaction was, oh boy, here we go. The team that was complaining about it the most is up to something. I didn't, I've never seen something made such a big issue out of on social media that meant so little. He could have been looking at a woman in the stands. Nobody knows, and it doesn't matter because he hit a Titanic home run. I don't give a rat, you know what, what he's looking at. I just want to see him hit the baseball. Or when he's against the Astros, I want to see him swing and miss. Yeah, he, He's claiming that he was looking at the dugout because guys were chirping, and he wanted them to stop because his manager just got ejected. And he heard guys chirping, so he was looking to see who it was both times when he glanced over, which is plausible yeah, when you go back and look at it. it. You know what with what had just happened that that is plausible. And he could have been looking right over the dugout at a babe. Could be. Yeah, or, that's that's when you really know greatness, John, is when you can or, check a woman out and then hit a four hundred and sixty-two foot home run <laughs> as you glance back at the pitcher. <laughs> He's not, he's not telling his owner, or excuse me, his owner, his manager to stay in the dugout if he wants to check out a woman in the stands. It's going to be more time to do it. <laughs> yep. So that's, I mean, he could also just be looking to the dugout to get whatever, wherever the catcher was set up or whatever pitch they thought was going to be thrown so he could hit the homer and we could always watch the long ball, which I'm also for too. I think he was Send me back to there. the steroid era, John. Yeah. Send me back I, to that era. That, that, that's going to be, by the way, a great just uh, meme of his eyes. Like the the shot that we keep showing of him looking right at the pitcher, but his eyes are directly to the right. I, I look at that. I'm like, that's going to become an iconic image of Aaron Judge. I think he was looking over there, like, are you going to bang that trash can lid or not? <laughs> we need some better uh, audio technical abilities over here, like the Astros had. Yeah, John. Thank you as always. Loving uh, your coverage there at Gallery Sports, and love when you come on with us weekly. Jonathan Chadillac, thank you guys very much, as always. Yep, there's John McClain, uh, gallerysports.com, Mattress Mac, and others uh, available there as well. And the great John McClain, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he's a selector for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Coming he's up, our Hall of Famer. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Coming he's, up. He's in, the, he's in this show's Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe Hall of Fame for just not knowing about historical uh, relevance in our country. But I give this guy credit for owning it. Oh, yeah. And not ducking away from him, just saying, yeah, it, I'm dumb. Uh, it, it, it's a sign of where we are and how old Chad and I feel today. 
versus yesterday. And maybe, you know, it also ties into what could become a great discussion because we're going to throw out some things that we learned late in life that we wish we had known earlier in life. That's next on Hot Mike. Coming up, Pat McAfee chooses ESPN for the new media contract. Welcome back. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network, which you can find on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and join Chad in the chat. We've got plenty to discuss, inclu- including uh, a great conversation coming up with Kurt Schilling. That's in about 30 minutes or so. Chad, um, Marlon Humphrey. I give him credit, just like you uh, pointed out. Hey, props for falling on the sword here. But he tweeted out over the weekend, Hey, um, I was today years old when I found out that the Titanic was real. (laughs) That's wild. Low key. Well done, Marlon Humphrey. Now, this was 111 years ago. But, I mean, it's one of the distinct things that is talked about in uh, early education and I mean, you would, I think you would know based on the massive sensation that Titanic the movie was that it's based on a real account and real uh, Others may have treated the movie like Leo was in a documentary, you know, thinking, oh, this was the actual story that happened yeah, but the, on the Titanic, but not the a movie, dramatic The movie opens with them going down to search for the Titanic. Now that old lady was real. Yeah, so maybe... He didn't know about the movie, and he's just heard about this is a Titanic-level disaster and never understood that it was from a real thing. I don't know. And never saw the movie. That, that's, that's a pretty bad one. But we've all, Hutton, we've all got something oh, like, that it took us a little long to realize. I mean, it, oh, I don't know about the historical moments. Like, so 1912 was a, a big year in just terms of just, I think there was a presidential election. I think it was Woodrow Wilson. I know it was a presidential election that year. Um, that came after the Titanic, but that was also, um, among other things, I believe the Republic of China maybe was uh, was announced like the January first of that year. There's a lot of different things in 1912. Uh, point being, the Titanic's the biggest one, 1500 perish, and was it April? April of 1912. Wood- Woodrow Wilson defeated Taft and Roosevelt. In 1912, okay. by the way. That, so you were, you were spot on with that one. Um, so mine, mine for me would be, like, on the big scale, would be learning uh, the investment process earlier in life. On a smaller scale, uh, learning how to tie a tie. Because all I had to do was go down the hallway and ask my dad or my grandfather to tie a tie for me. And Chad will vouch for this. I mean, for the longest time, I didn't teach myself. I've like, tied I, your ties before. I still... Uh, mine's... Uh, I learned so late in life, mine are horrible. Like, I, I don't want the knot that I can tie. So I would either go down to uh, a sales, uh, one of the best sales guys, period, named Bill Johns, to tie my tie, or I would hand it to, to Withrow to tie. And I would just, you know, not untie them. I was We that would do loser. games together, Hutton, and I would, I would tie my tie and then tie your tie if we had a suit and tie on for the games. And, and you do it. Look, I've got some really embarrassing ones. Uh, I, I can't drive a stick shift. Would be one to this day. Never even tried it. Never attempted it. Can't do it. The other one that just blows my mind, and I don't know if it's as much I don't, still don't know know about it or understand it, or I just can't wrap my 
puny little brain around it. Um, electricity and power. I'm yeah. watching oh, a show yeah. called Silo on Apple TV, and they have an entire episode dedicated to in this underground silo where it's a post-apocalyptic world. Ten thousand people are living, and they gotta they've got to repair the generator, and they're doing things the turbine and the spinning of the generator. And I'm watching the whole thing. I'm thinking, boy, this is really thrilling. I have no idea how this generator works. I don't know where the power goes, how the lights come on, any of that. I'm clearly not an engineer. That would definitely be one embarrassing one. The other one was, for years, I lived next door to a little convenience store slash fishing spot store. And up on the big marquee on the sign, it would say, gas, snacks, picnic. And next to picnic would be a word I was unfamiliar with until probably middle school. And every day I'd pass that sign, and I would, I would ask not anyone out loud because I was too afraid and felt too stupid to ask, but I'm thinking, what is picnic supplies? What are supplies? And mm. I remember doing a vocabulary test in seventh or eighth grade, <laughs> and I saw the word supply in its plural form as supplies, and it was a light bulb moment. It went off my head. I think picnic supplies. <laughs> For 14 years, I've been driving past this place next to my house. Wondering what in the world are picnic supplies, and oh, the word is picnic supplies. Yes, I was an idiot at one point. Not anymore. Maybe a little bit. Davey, do you have a good example? Yeah, I do. But first off, Chad, like that's fine. Like I, I mean, personally, like I just refuse to learn the difference between who and whom. Like it's just going to be who. Uh, the other one for me I'm, is. I'm with you. It's also a better band. You yeah, know, the who. There's not. We don't have a point. band called the Whom. I, I improperly used a can opener the wrong way for the first 18 years of my life. Like <laughs> instead of making it very easy, I thought it was like incredibly difficult, but that was because I was turning it sideways and literally ripping the entire top of the can off. <laughs> and it was very inefficient. And finally I got to college and my roommates looking at me like, what are you doing? And I was just like, I'm opening a can. What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, that's not how you do it. So I, I figured that one out. The, the best story though, they, that they, I would they, have just dishes. Um, <laughs> still, still hand wash. The the best story though is is something that this didn't happen to me, but I was there when my friends realized this, and like I had to explain this to them. But I think it's very uh, timely, seeing as like a lot of people are graduating right now. It's you know May graduations happening across the country. We were at a graduation for my cousin, and as they were announcing. The graduates, as they walked across the stage, they would be like Jonathan Hutton, cum laude, Chad Withrow, cum laude, Davey Hudson, cum laude. And my cousin and one of our friends who was sitting behind me goes, man, them cum laudes must have been getting it on. <laughs> and so the other friend just goes, I know, man, right? And I have to just look back at these two guys. And I, I'm sitting there thinking like, one, I'm related to you. So this is just a terrible look for me. And the other one's like, dude, how have you not realized that that is not a last name it's just an honor you can get based off how well you do in school. <laughs> Granted, higher education wasn't in their plan, but I just look back and laugh at that every every graduation. I love it. It's amazing that I was how, the first member of my family to go to college considering I couldn't read so supplies. So here's, here's one that randomly pops up for me. Did you, I, It took me a while to figure out, and I maybe I'm the idiot here, that the odd numbers on interstates are going north and south. Even, even numbers east, east west. west. It took me it probably about 15, 20 years ago I realized that when someone told me that. And I think what, what really screwed with me was like it's always not east or west. Sometimes you're going north. The southeast or northwest. Yeah. Like Interstate 24 
is a northeast, northwest, you know, southeast, northwest interstate, not directly east west. Yes. It's just a. There are other ones like that, too. It screws my head a little bit. But I do like knowing that the even and odd concept of the interstate process. Hutton, during this next break, can you explain electricity to me? No. Where I can understand it finally? I can't. It blows my mind. I, I, I don't, don't get any of it. Generators? How, where do they come from? How do they work? Who figured it out? I feel like I'm giving Nate Bargatze material <laughs> right now just with what I'm saying. This is something he would talk about. Yeah. yeah for, oh, for sure. I. I I have like no new, idea. New math and old math. Yeah. He's already done that one. There are some mysteries in the world. One of them to me, <laughs> power. Another in all mystery. all of its form. Another mystery. What exactly is Pat McAfee getting paid to join ESPN? Because he turned down, he's just ending, wrapping up a four-year, $120 million contract with FanDuel to join the worldwide leader, but really join the Disney platform where reports are he's making eight figures a year, but what power is he losing? Speaking of electricity, we want McAfee to remain McAfee, but by selling off, not going to happen. You sell out. Plenty of examples of that. McAfee's the latest. We discussed it when we return on Hot Mike with Hutton and Winthrop across the Outkick Network. Mm-hmm. 